Washington's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, uh, Blackhawks and Flames just getting underway. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. Devils and Predators 2-2 started the second period. Flyers lead the Wild 1-0 after one. Early second period, Sabres and Jets no score. Early third, Detroit and Montreal in a 3-3 tie. Also early in the third, Penguins and Capitals 1-1 and Bruins and Lightning 1-1. The Oilers practice today. They will practice again tomorrow. Kyler Yamamoto was on the ice, but of course he remains on long-term injured reserve. Evander Kane did not skate, continues to be away from the team with a personal matter, could be available for Saturday against Chicago. That's on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 6.30 and the puck drop at 8. Dave Campbell is the producer of this show, and uh, he was the gentleman who uh, told me earlier today, we got to get this Adam Seaborn fellow on the show to talk about his experience at Rogers Place last night. So, Dave, uh, thanks for that. I, I gotta get this. Absolutely. From, I, I gotta get this from you because, of course, you. you uh, how many years have you been traveling with the Elks now? Since uh, 2006. Okay. So coming up to yeah, 17 years now. Well, I guess 16 if you if you we gotta throw out the 2020 year, of course, because there wasn't a season. All right. So you've been to all the stadiums around the CFL, and some teams have had. Who has a new stadium in that time? Uh, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, uh, Hamilton. Yeah, technically BC uh, in Vancouver. Because oh, they did that, that got... year at Empire, back at Empire, right, and revamped yeah. BC Place. Okay. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Because every time in the old stadium, it's just like you, I can't breathe in this, in this this airtight stadium. But let, let me tell you a story quickly about how you got into BC Place Stadium because it's airlocked because they had the pillow uh, dome, right? So you had to go in this first set of doors, and then you had to stand there until the door closed. And then you could go on the second set of doors because if you didn't do that, you would change the air pressure and you would mess with the uh, with the big pillow over BC Play Stadium. So thank goodness they don't have that anymore. There's my rant. Uh, that's right because it was held up by air. It wasn't supports or a sliding right. mechanism. If it's retractable, that's that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah. Because we're talking about fan now again, you're not there as a fan, like I'm not there at, at Oilers games as a fan. But certainly, you'd be aware of the vibe, the promotions. What was there anywhere around the league, past or present, where you're like, okay, this 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 is fun, like this everything they're doing, this is pretty cool. We'll leave Edmonton out for, for a road city you went to. Road city, wow. Um, one moment, okay. Um, I can't. You see, here's the problem with. I don't remember promotions because See, when it's break that's time, what I say too. Yeah, I'm focused on you know what's happening with the game. Uh, I'm looking up stats. I might be sending a tweet out quickly. Um, I'm not focused on you know. Uh, let's uh, you know here's the contest of uh, let's 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 uh, play. Uh, what what is it? Pin the tail on the donkey and spin the <laughs> spin the girl five hundred times and then go find it. Okay, so by far. The most entertaining thing I've seen, though, is uh, in Calgary. I believe it's in the first half sometime. You have to, uh, they have this race against this guy that's in a cow suit. And you start like at the 35 yard line, you get a head start, and you're trying to beat this guy in the cow. He's like really, really fast. And I think I've seen him lose like two times 
when, when I actually pay attention. So my record is a little spotty. Um, you know, the 2019 East Final in Montreal was pretty special at the Molson Stadium. I have not been to a venue that has been that loud in a while. Now, Winnipeg, every time I go now, it's really, really loud um, because they're, they're pretty good and they usually uh, don't lose at home, right? But, um, yeah, you know, I'll say this as well. Probably my, my favorite, most unique experience, though, is calling two games at BMO Field while the exhibition's going on. Huh. So here, here's this, here, the play is going on, and and you're like, oh, there's the zipper. There's the big Ferris wheel. I can smell corn dogs. That's awesome. That's great. And twice, so it's happened twice. The first time it was during the day. The second time it was a night game. At night, that was really cool just to just to see the uh, the fairgrounds all lit up and the rides and and everything. So that's probably my most unique uh, experience in stadium. Not necessarily in stadium, but around the stadium. Yeah. That was pretty cool doing games during the exhibition. Okay, yeah, that's uh, that's that's cool. Uh, yeah, Adam was really interesting on what he said about Rogers' place last night and the number of people wearing jerseys and that pretty much everybody was in their seats, not just for the start of the game, but for, for most of the warm-up. So, yeah, we got something special here with Rogers' place and Oilers fans, absolutely. Uh, no doubt. What, I'm just curious, what you, I know you watch, because you often text me during the games too, and you've been watching the winning streak, and then uh, last night. I'm wondering your thoughts on that game and maybe a, a point that got away from the Oilers. You know, I, I didn't think they were terrible throughout the game. I didn't think they started the game well. But then all of a sudden they started to get chance after chance. And I believe, and this is according to Natural Statric, who um, I feed you numbers from that site, and you obviously go to that site too. Um, they had the orders at six high danger, high danger chances in the first period. The, the Blue Jackets had two. Corpus Allo was pretty good last night, but they had a pretty good back half of the first period. Their second period was really good. And then here's the third period, really sleepy, not, not good enough. Uh, just really lethargic, but Columbus did their, did their thing, which was push, push, push. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're playing hockey, like they have nothing to lose and they do have some good players on that team with good draw and line and obviously Kent Johnson who scored the winner and they have a few others as well. But um, what really shocked me Reed was in overtime. This team is obviously we know high powered to play three on three overtime with Connor McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl and to not have a shot on goal. And even when, you know, and I heard, you know, you and Brownie talk about it yesterday when and Brownie said, Line A, Patrick Line A shot the puck down to the other end of the ice in overtime. And I'm like, I, I remember I saw that play and I'm like, what is he doing? This is this is this is not good uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. But the Oilers could not take advantage of anything. And I thought the, the, the best duo on the ice was Hyman and Nugent Hopkins, and they didn't really do much either. So it was a game where I thought the the high moments were not all that high, but it was good enough, I think, that they should carry the play and win, but their low moments were really bad, and they kind of balanced things out. Five on five, they weren't that bad, you know, from what I see from the from the stats page and the analytics. It, it wasn't that bad, but unfortunately, one bad period and a really lackluster overtime period kind of, kind of you know, did them in. And as good as Skinner was, Corpusala was, was that much better, and uh, the Oilers have been felled by uh, – by goaltending at times this season, especially at home. Nugent Hopkins, yeah, didn't get a shot. I mean, that would have been a high danger chance in overtime when he got that one out front, but but he didn't hit mm -hmm. the net. But yeah, the Oilers are two and four in games decided after 60 minutes, two and three in overtime and 0-1 in shootouts, which is 
you, wow. you might expect that to be flipped given some of the firepower that they have. But 6-0-1 mm -hmm. yeah. in their last seven in Chicago coming up here on Saturday night. Okay, uh, the Elks are sort of... Uh, what's the uh, like intravenously dripping us whatever you call that <laughs> drip feeding us the the, drip. the, the drip. signings probably I, I know drip. I know teams do this sometimes they might have a batch of guys signed but they spaced out the announcements so we're talking about them a little more which is fine and we've had some of the guys on the show uh, Niles Morgan is back the the linebacker who unfortunately we didn't see a lot of last year no uh, but um, and I think he's still relatively young isn't he I mean there's still a lot of potential for this guy no, you're right, and uh, I don't have his age here. Uh, one second here, let me look at it quickly while I while I speak. But yeah, he only played 12 games, or sorry, missed 12 games. So he would have played only six games, missed all of training camp and 12 games uh, throughout the season with a nagging groin injury, which started all the way in training camp. I believe he would be 26 right now. Okay. Uh, so so that's still yeah, he's still in the prime of his career right now. When he played, when he played though, Reed, man. He was probably the Elks' best defender. He had 41 tackles, and that was tied for fifth in six games. Fifth. That was uh, 15 tackles off the lead. So uh, for that was Enoch McConzo. He had the lead at 56, Scott Hunter at 55. Um, he was a heat-seeking missile, and I, did, I crunched the numbers today, and I, I put a tweet out. With Niles Morgan in the lineup, their run defense, they allowed only 88.1 yards per game, and they only allowed one 100-yard rushing game. When he was not in the lineup for those 12 games, the Elks averaged 134.5 yards allowed and only held teams twice to under 100 yards. So he's a run stopper. There's no question. He's, it's pretty simple. He just finds, he's straight up. He's a straight line kind of linebacker, but he can also close down an angle and uh, and get to the ball carrier very very quickly and you know and he was not a pending free agent he was still under contract so now the Elks lock him up for two more years and Reed it's just you know I, I look at what G.Y. Simon and Chris Jones are doing in the in the offseason compared to last year where they they got here late and they really started to get the ball rolling in early January and I think their idea then was let's get as many good players and veterans and people were familiar with as possible where this year they've identified a core and they're building with this core and they're doing it kind of slow and methodically. And I think in free agency, there's gotta be some dominoes that have to fall here to, to determine what they're going to do, um, especially at receiver because Kenny Lawler is still out there and I do believe they're still talking, but if he doesn't sign here, then you have to pivot to someone like maybe a Eugene Lewis who, is not very happy with the Montreal Alouettes organization right now, and their ownership situation is really messing it up for Danny Machocha, the general manager. They don't have a president anymore. They let go of Mario Ciccini. Uh, Trevor Harris is in sign. So th there's not a lot of movement. You you're seeing, like you say, drip, 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 trickle-down signings from each team. Of course, Bo Levi Mitchell was a huge one the other day. Um, but I think there's a lot of, a lot of players kind of, kind of held up a little bit and they're kind of waiting to see, okay, where does Trevor Harris go? Um, we'll see what impact Bo Levi Mitchell has on, you know, the Ticats re-signing their own players. Like they just got some good ones like Tim White and Steven Dunbar and um, good receivers like that. So, but you know, the Elks, they're methodically trying to build a core here and recognize that core 
and 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 go along with them. All right, so I, let's just close on Bo Levi Mitchell there, who is uh, not a popular man in uh, no. <laughs> northern Alberta. Uh, not not a, not a not a popular. Uh, player with my dear old mother um so <laughs> now when his rights were traded to hamilton i thought the feeling was kind of like oh yeah hamilton's just getting his rights but he's going to go to free agency but like what how did this play out here so you know bo levi mitchell clarified this and because he said right away after the trade was made in december that he was going to wait until free agency so he cleared that up and he basically said i i was looking to see what the core of the organization was going to look like specifically orlando steinauer who uh, is basically running their their football operations also as their head coach their offensive coordinator is tommy condell and he's been a good one in this league for years and mark washington who's been a one of the better defensive coordinators in the league and he was just trying to see okay is this is this core going to be stable he wanted to trust the organization at the top first you know, Orlando Steinauer said today, like, this wasn't a slam dunk that we were going to sign him. Like, we were concerned that at one point this wasn't going to happen. But the Riders were, well, they, they thought they were in the mix, but I don't think they were in the mix very much at all, despite what some of their uh, some of their broadcasters might say. Um, you know, selling the prestige and the, the honor of playing in Saskatchewan and being the Riders quarterback. And it's all true. There's no question. There, there is some prestige, but... Uh, uh, that team doesn't have an offensive line at this point, and I don't know how good their new offensive coordinator is going to be. Um, so to me, Hamilton seemed like the obvious choice. You, you look at the coordinator and Tommy Condell, the head coach in, in Orlando Steinauer, they have a pretty good offensive line. Of course, we know a couple players, especially David Beard, who's the center, who got traded from the Elks uh, to, to Hamilton midway through the year. If they can sign a lot of that receiving core back and add to it, they're going to be formidable, and their defense is usually pretty good. So I think Bo Levi Mitchell just said, you know, I just want to wait. I don't want to sign right away if I don't understand what, what, I'm going, what I'm getting into. And he's big on legacy, you know, and he doesn't want his legacy tarnished. And, you, you know, <laughs> you've talked to him before, and you would understand that completely. And if everyone, I'm sure most people listening have heard Bo Levi Mitchell talk, he likes himself quite a bit. And uh, <laughs> he doesn't want to do anything that's going to tarnish his own reputation. But he's always going to be, like, when he retires, he's going back to Calgary. We know that. He, and he's probably going to be a Stampeder executive, or he's going to be in the their coaching staff, or he might be a GM. You know, I'm sure he's going to end up back in Calgary in some capacity but you know the Ticats have the great cup or Hamilton has the great cup this year it's a great opportunity for him now Bo Levi Mitchell has to come out and prove he is healthy and he can run an offense and he can get the consistency back because honestly over the last two seasons he's lost it and as a result that's why Dave Dickinson made the switch in a game in mid-August in Toronto to go from Bo Levi Mitchell to Jake Mayer at halftime and it's been you know Jake Mayer's ball ever since um, and he signed signed Mayor to a two-year contract extension as well. So, um, and you know, to me, the path to win the Grey Cup is a lot smoother and easier in Hamilton than it would be in Saskatchewan. All right, Dave, appreciate your thoughts, buddy. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, I know you're going to be hosting a couple shows next week, so I look forward to that too, man. Thanks so much for checking in. Thank you, Rito. Appreciate it, buddy. Dave Campbell, the producer of this show on uh, Fan Experience and uh, on the Oilers, and a little bit on uh, the ever-popular BLM, Bo Levi Mitchell. It's Inside Sports.
Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. The Edmonton Oil Kings have a new captain. You will meet him in the next half hour of the show. 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch. It is the hotline presented by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty pro all the way. No score about halfway through the first period. Flames taking on Chicago tonight in Calgary. Blackhawks here on Saturday to play your Edmonton Oilers. Okay, we were talking about fan experiences, your best one, or or what's the most important thing when you attend a live sporting event? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start with an unknown text that just came in that says that they were just at the Anaheim game in Anaheim at the Honda Center while a very, uh, they say, well, it's a very boring arena. It has a much nicer interior. It's not industrial looking and has lots of different food venues. We need to improve on that in a big way. There's four different pizza venues apparently where you can get four different kinds of pizza there for instance and the flooring is tile not concrete again that's a unknown texter texting in tonight all right so someone talking a little bit more about food options i think that's the first that's the most detailed one we've had on that okay Absolutely. Uh, Ken texts in, too. He brought up a lot of great points in his text here. Uh, he thinks it's generational whether you need the in-stadium experience or if the entertainment from the game is enough. Uh, he's a Gen Xer and was a slow adapter to carrying a cell phone, so uh, uh, the spectacle of the game is enough for him. Uh, he absolutely hates the idiots who bring the beach ball to the double E games because he took it in the face once when he was watching a game. He also can't stand the smooch can and was hoping the camera pans during that segment to a brother-sister combo. Which has happened. <laughs> it usually goes viral when it happens. Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, friends or something like that. So uh, he admits he misses the mascot football during halftime and a human hockey puck races during inter mission at the old coliseum the stuff today not really a fan that is from ken i'm not a fan of the beach ball going around either don't distract me when i'm trying to watch the play oh that is again i am a curmudge (laughs) that is that's a that's a trope in pro wrestling right now is uh every night after uh like the the monday night raw after wrestlemania you can always spot at least two or three beach balls in the crowd I don't know why, but it, it happens. That's right. it. So, but, uh, yeah. Uh, and we got an update from Bryce in Calgary who uh, says he lived in Edmonton until 88. He is an Oilers fan always and forever. Okay. Bryce, thank you for listening mm-hmm. to the show and for t- participating by writing it. Well, we got some interesting stuff. I, I don't know if we'll have time for any more later, but that that's probably a topic, you know, we go back to once every year or, you know, every year, every second year, just because it is interesting. And that one uh, listener noted that he thinks it's a little gener- it's generational, perhaps. Uh, I mean, there may be some people who are more inclined to glance at their phones a little more often and participate in, in viewing that way. Uh, but yeah, that was some interesting stuff for sure. 780-496-0063. We got the captain of the Oil Kings, and we got a young man from Red Deer ready to race at Daytona. How did he get there? Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada.
Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.